Welcome to Textbook Stuff by Bright Red Publishing. Uh, we're delighted to be back, and this time we're focusing on our most recent publication, which is Higher Politics. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Mr. Jenny Moore, formerly Williamwood High School and now South Lanarkshire College. Uh, a big Bright Red welcome to you, Jenny. Thanks very much for having me, John. Looking forward to it. Good, good. Um, so politics is one of those subjects that I've watched for quite a few years at Bright Red and noticed it's grown a lot over the last sort of five, ten years. Um, it seems to be a subject attracting more and more pupils at school and at college. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Um, I think for a while it was, you know, numbers were sort of in the several hundreds and now it's went, you know, doubled or tripled, as, as you previously told me. But the... There's a few reasons for it, I suppose, people being more interested, perhaps, but there's also a, a kind of element of, well, the reason I introduced it was it was a good progression from modern studies, um, and, it, and it helped people that were doing advanced higher modern studies as a sixth year higher, it was much more accessible, um, and maybe schools have looked at it and said, right, there's a chance of another higher here, uh, and, and it was it made sense in a sort of attainment raising way as well, so schools are sort of clocking onto it. And the, the idea of pupils becoming more more interested as well. And, and do you think that the the the, the great sort of well, politics is all all around us every day? Um, but over the last sort of five years in particular, there seems to be a lot of it going back and forward between Brexit and the pandemic and whatnot. Um, do you feel that's had an influence on attracting younger people to to, to study politics? No doubt, yeah, because people want to gain an understanding of what's actually happening because it seems as if it's been so bizarre, I suppose, the last 10 years even, you know, just just, just one thing after another. Um, I say is ABC, it's been austerity, then Brexit, then COVID, and you've had that ABC element of, of, of mixing everything up, um, and then you've got the Scottish element of the polarisation between yes and no, and, and Brexit with, you know, people identifying as remain or leave, and you're not really getting that party politics thing as much anymore. It's like, you know, what are you? You're yes or you're no, or you're a remain or a leave, and it becomes it becomes really difficult. So, uh, yeah, students are trying to understand it, we're trying to help them understand it, and it's been it's been good to teach. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of politics in action, um, and I guess it's the time when we've been able to see the systems of our governments sort of working or, or, yeah. or maybe not working as well as you would expect them to in some cases or maybe better than we, we expect them to in others. Um, I suppose as well, I'm just thinking that the um, the age of um, people being able to vote in Scotland was lowered, so that might have had something to do with it as well. Is that right for uh, Scottish elections? Yeah, fair point, yeah, because it was in 2014 for the independence, it went down to 16 and then subsequently you're able to win the Scottish Parliament win. So, um, yeah, it does generate debate uh, around that time. Um, yeah, so it can only be good. You know, kids are participating and discussing things. Uh, and, you know, I like an argument in the class. It's, it's always healthy. Well, yeah, any any engagement is great. But um, we'll come back to that in a little minute. If we, if we, can, if we can go back to where um, you started, a little bit about yourself and um, how you found yourself um, becoming a, a teacher of politics. Well, I actually started off uh, at college myself at the school. I enjoyed school, but um, I went to college, did my two years HND in social sciences. Um, I actually had the results to go to uni, but there was a bit of a sort of, I don't know, I, I just didn't fancy it. didn't think I was ready. And um, I jumped into my second year at Cali Uni. Um, you know, but once you've done the HND, funding becomes an issue. You could go into your first year at Strathclyde in Glasgow and things. So I'm starting to see that working in a college now and thinking backwards how it all works. But... Um, yeah, I did my uh, my degree and then I parked it. 
I basically worked for 10 years. Um, I worked for the a sort of offshoot of the Scottish Government, the Criminal Injuries um, Compensation Authority, and they were making people redundant. I got a few thousand pound compensation and I went to Thailand to teach. So with that money, I sort of did my my uh, gap year, I suppose, in a way, but knowing that I wanted to come back here to teach. So it looked good on the CV as well. Um, went to bank, loved it. You know, it was, it was fantastic. Came back here, then got on the PGDE. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, uh, the, the course, it was, it was fantastic. Then I, I started teaching in, um, actually in my old high school in St Andrews St Brides for a year, did my probation year there. And I got a job at Williamook High School um, where about halfway through my eight years there, I started to love them higher politics. And at, and at that point, was the subject fairly new? Were you one of the first in amongst it, or had it been on the go for a while? It was the first, uh, or Williamwood was the first school in East Renfrewshire Council to offer it. So I basically approached my head teacher and said, look, I've got so many doing advanced hire, and this would make sense, you know, and, and as I was saying earlier, in terms of getting another hire under the belt, but it also dovetails with the advanced hire course, and then it helps kids that are maybe not advanced hire level to get another hire in the bag. So it all came together quite nicely. Um, but yeah, now, now I think just about everyone is delivering it in, in East Central Council. There's only seven high schools. It's quite a small council. But um, yeah, I think at least five of them are delivering it now. You know, and I've, I've been given CPD and stuff like that to help uh, colleagues and things. So yeah, it's worked out well. Yeah, it's, 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 it's quite an interesting subject in that sense, I guess, because I noticed when the, the Curriculum for Excellence came in and the hires came in, there was, there was subjects that came through like sociology, and politics um, and philosophy as well, I think, which have continued to grow since they, they, they were launched. And that's that's really interesting to see because it offers something different for pupils coming through. But what I mean, you're you're obviously qualified in politics in that sense. Um, what interested you about politics in particular from a teaching point of view? Did you see something in the course that you thought um, would, would be really relevant to your pupils? Uh, yes, I suppose that there's, there's there's three units to the course, and if they've done a bit of British politics and modern studies, and they've done a bit of American politics and modern studies, then they've got a basis for for building upon that knowledge that they've got already. And also, from a selfish point of view, there's less to get through in higher politics than there is in the modern studies course. So, as a teacher. It's, it's a good course to deliver because, well, for modern studies as well, you don't actually have to keep updating resources all the time. If you wanted to just keep teaching Thatcher back in the 80s, then you can. If you wanted to just teach Blair in 97, then you can. You don't actually have to continually update it. So uh, from a selfish point of view, it was good. From a attainment point of view, it made sense. And, um, yeah, and obviously I've got an, an interest in the subject, so therefore I want to deliver it into design. I suppose getting that, that sort of... Um, I keep pupils in, in, interested in, in citizenship and modern studies and politics and just wider social sciences in general. Yeah, yeah. And and when you when you were approaching the development of the materials, did it feel slightly safer that you were able to sort of take a slightly more historical look at politics and know that when you were writing the book that it, it wasn't something that was going to change? Maybe, I mean, there's always some change, but in the, the next day or the, the month after, as our experience of modern studies books, they're, they're continually changing. Absolutely. That was one of the main uh, things for me because, you know, I was getting jealous of history teachers and it's just constantly World War II and slavery and things, you know, stay the same. Whereas, and you know, every time there's an election, you're, you're almost praying that the same guy wins again <laughs> uh, so that you don't need to update resources as a, as a modest teacher. But yeah, it, it helped in terms of writing the book and just go, right, here's, here's the, the, the key things you need to know. 
desperate ideologies and stuff, you know, they always stay the same. And then you just, it's a case of as a teacher, you can just apply situations that are happening just now to the ideologies or, you know, changing the president or changing the, the prime minister. It's, it's fairly straightforward. But, um, yeah, it, it made things much easier to write. Yeah, the constitutional stuff has been sorely tested, but it's it's roughly the same. A bit, a bit bent and battered, maybe, but it's roughly the same. Yeah, yeah um, this was the first book um, that, you, that you've written for, for Bright Red. Um, how did you find the writing process in that sense? I mean, there'd be a lot of material that you were familiar with. Did you feel the, the audience kind of looking on when you were writing? Did you, did you feel quite self-conscious about it or did you, did you feel quite confident about what you were developing? Well, a bit of both. You always get imposter syndrome, but I just thought to myself, look, nobody's done this before, so I'm going to have a crack at it. And yeah, that that was my that was my sort of thinking behind it. But essentially, when I was developing the course myself, I kind of write every essay myself, and I was kind of thinking about doing that anyway when I was delivering politics to try and get my own head around. I always find it weird that you would ask kids to do something you've not done yourself. So I, I end up writing all the, the past paper essays myself, get my head around it, and essentially turning that into the, into the book and saying, right, look, this is this is the content you need to know if you're a, a, a student, a, a teacher or a parent. And, yeah, you start thinking, oh, my God, is, is that right? Is that wrong? But I suppose with Bright Red, you know, people, people double-check it and triple-check it. But, yeah, um, I, I was confident enough in, in my own knowledge, I suppose, but there's, there's always, you know, a, a bit of... Uh, worry when you start thinking oh this is going to go into loads of schools and loads of houses across the country and you think is it going to help so but hopefully it has a wee bit well we've had a lot of i mean we were six months published now with a lot of incredible feedback about the book and i think a lot of appreciation as well about the fact that someone has has taken the chance if you like to publish something for higher politics because it's always been quite a small subject and my feeling is when we publish into these smaller areas sometimes it helps them grow or it helps maybe pupils, you know, when they approach their exam particularly, or helps students, um, teachers, I should say, um, feel confident maybe about, um, you know, running it for the first time. But we do, we do, um, we do tend to, we do tend to go for sort of quite a lot of niche subjects at Bright Red. We do stuff for accounting and German and things. So when you had gotten in touch about the book um, quite a few years ago now, pre-pandemic, feels like quite a long time ago, it was definitely one that was of, of quite great, great interest to us. And we do take it through that whole process, as you mentioned. It was peer-reviewed and it was edited and proofed and all of the rest of it. So just what did you find most enjoyable about the writing process? And what what, what did you feel was the biggest challenge when writing? Um, I suppose the, the, the best thing about it is the sense of achievement at the end. You know, because, as you said, it sort of dragged on for that long. It was the, the pandemic in the middle and you were like, you know, We'll leave it just now just to see how things go. And it wasn't until you actually see the physical copy in your hand that you mm. feel as if it's done. You know, there's a lot of bouncing back and forward. So I, I enjoyed, I didn't enjoy it at that, at, until the end. <laughs> That's the right way to put it because you don't really know until you've actually seen what you've, what you've actually produced properly. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure uh, how I sort of fell into doing it, but um, I, I'm just glad I, I, I've done it, I suppose. I think you saw a gap and you got in touch and, and, and you were very keen to do something. Um, and unfortunately, the, the, what you were proposing fitted really well with our sort of study guide um, approach. So I think it worked out quite well. Yeah, I think that's I like the way that the, the bright red ones work. You know, it's a double page of just, you know, one element of it and the next page. And it's not it's not like a, a novel in, in that sense. So it's, a, it's, it's the layout that kind of worked well for me as well. 
Yeah, it definitely it definitely does fit our format really well as a subject. And I think it shows through in the finished book. Um, we were really pleased with it when it came out. And that's, I mean, what certainly what I, part of the reason I got into publishing the bet. Well, the best bet is when you have your 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 finished copies delivered, and you've got the box open, and people are getting in touch to order them. And you know, you go to parents' nights and they tell you, you know, how much how much they've used the book and things like that. That's definitely the the highlight from our point of view. That everything before that, I mean, it can take. Well, you, you spend quite a long time writing, not not compared to the time it took to produce, but you spent months writing that book, many months, and then there was the pause over the pandemic. So when we finally got down to the production on the other side, it, it felt like a real achievement to get to get the book to press. <laughs> yeah, as, done. as I remember, actually, it went to press the day Richie Sunak became prime minister. And, and I'm trying to think in my head how many prime ministers we went through during that period and <laughs> you know, I actually I posted that on my Facebook and I said uh, I started writing this four prime ministers ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, four. Yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So that that, that just adds to the, the the whole achievement from our point yeah. of view. Um, and was being an author something that you imagined when you were sort of going back to college, doing your HND, you know, looking ahead and getting into teaching stuff? Was writing a, a book something that you thought was for you or? Absolutely not, no. But I, I think that, as I said, when I'm, I see student teachers coming in, they produce these fantastic PowerPoints and they, they think about active learning and stuff. And I'm almost a bit more traditional when I'm like, I want to have, I want to see the finished product first. You know, I want to see what an essay looks like and then work back the way. And then I can teach on the basis of that, you know. And, and I suppose a, a book works in that, that way that I need to sort of read the book first and then decide how I'm going to teach things. Um, so no, 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 I never thought I'd write writing a book, but just the way I sort of learn how to teach, I suppose, has, has led me to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you went for it. I'm glad you went for it. Um, and in terms of, you know, we're, we're sort of discussing around how younger people are involved in politics. We touched on, you know, the, the age of voting and the, the referendum and things decreasing. Is your experience from being in school and being in college that there, that we are seeing more engagement in, in young people in politics at the moment in the last five years or so? Yeah, but uh, young people are engaged in a, in a different way. I think, you know, they're not interested in party politics. They're interested in single issues. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of leads them down a road of maybe a party eventually, you know, who they're going to vote for or who they, they dislike least, you know, and that, that becomes a, a problem in itself. But Certainly, you know, in terms of environmental rights or women's rights or uh, LGBTQ stuff, it seems as if it's kind of, you know, niche things uh, that people are interested in rather than the sort of broad party politics sort of stuff, which perhaps puts them off, you know, and, and, and that's that, that's a problem in itself. But um, that's not to say that people don't like politics. It's kind of cool to say you don't like politics, but they actually do when you start talking about it. You know, it matters in terms of, you know, what time they get to, to school at in the morning. We know how, if they should be getting a free school meal when they're there. You know, how much their electricity bill is when they're charging their phone. And, and when they start realising it impacts every day of their life, then you, you you can eat that out and then get a bit of interest in discussion and debate going in the class. Yeah, well, that's sort of really interesting part of it, because if there's more of a focus or more of a leaning towards single issue subjects, how difficult is it in class to to try and objectively assess politics or campaigns or constitutions? Can you, is it easy? Doesn't I don't feel like it could be, but is it easy to stay away from the more sort of um, controversial subjects? Kinda, yes. I, I mean, I, I suppose 
with politics and even modern studies and things, there's an element of balance that you've got to have in essay. So you're forced to have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two sides of the story, if you like. So the SQ work work well in that sense, and they try and yeah enforce an element of you can. But you know, I mean, I teach research methods just now, and I don't think you can ever be completely objective, you know, and and just as as a teacher to be a to be a robot is 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 impossible as well. So not that you're trying to impress your views on people, but I, I, I'm conscious that you can you can explain things uh, to pupils and not try to to, to twist their minds, but bright enough to realise that you'll have an opinion yourself, and that's difficult to that's difficult to hide, uh, and I don't think you should completely hide it. Um, for me, for example, I used to always study Thatcher in school, uh, and I always understood sort of left-wing politics growing up in a Labour house and stuff, and I always wanted to study what I didn't understand, and yeah. I try and get that idea into them, you know, uh, to, to understand how the other side thinks, which also helps you in terms of you know, having an argument with someone that you can already rebut them in, in terms of, you know, knowing your enemy, so to speak, and thinking about, you know, where, where they come from. So, um, yeah, it's difficult, but it's, it's not impossible. I guess it's also a useful way of finding out if there is any common ground there um, or, or any middle ground that can be reached. It's, it's trying to understand, um, you know, the entire issue from every side. Um, quite a good quite a good learning process in itself. Um, I'm just looking quickly at the exam timetable here because we're now in the middle of April and the higher politics exam is at the end of this month, which is a week on Wednesday, I think. It's 26th of April this year. Um, what advice would you give to students who are preparing for the higher politics this year? So any sort of sort of top two tips you would give give them as they're getting getting organised for the exam in a couple of weeks? Uh, repetition is just the word that I use all the time because you know there's there's, there's fancy words about called retrieval practice and uh, you know you make study cards and mind maps and it's getting things into your head. But at the end of the day, um, I'm always saying you know if if you need to remember a, a phone number, you, you chunk it up and you keep saying it and you say it out loud. And you'd have to do the same thing with essays. Uh, if you're learning a song, you keep singing it. And, you know, you have to, you know, there's a rhythm to it. You have to do the same thing when, you, when you're learning. So at this point, I, I know it's, it's, it used to always be the last exam in the diet because there were so few numbers, but it's only the last couple of years that it's changed. And it seems like it's quite often one of the first now. But yeah, I, I suppose that that um, that element of just being prepared to, to repeat things, uh, you know, Again, just daft exam, saying Ronaldo or Messi hitting a penalty. They, they don't just do it in the day. You know, they, they have to continually practice. And it might be a bit boring, you know, writing out essays and trying to do it under time conditions. But at this point in the year, they've got to get into the habit of, of rigour in terms of writing and, and timing and um, being able to reproduce what they've learned throughout the whole year. Uh, so there's a sort of old-fashioned element in me at this point where, where you're trying to cram, you know, that the studying should already be done. So to speak, you know, by now, uh, it's a case of how you how you make sure you get a, a, a maximise your mark in the final exam. Yeah, practice, practice. I suppose that does tie into my, my next question, which was sort of advice for students preparing for exams and repetition and practice like that. Um, make, the more familiar they are, the more confident they should be. That's it. So, I mean, preparing early, because as you said, you know, this month, it's, it's kind of too late to start thinking about it, but for, for future subjects, for the future students, the thing that I, I use it was somebody on Twitter actually I don't know but it's a the acronym is flat that your 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 revision should be flat it should be focused long term active and transforming so you know focused and being specific and people use the Pomodoro effect and all, and all the rest of it but you know you need to you say right I'm I'm focusing on this at one time but it's long term it's got to start 
at the start of the year. So you've got to build it into your routine. Uh, people talk about, you know, it's about being disciplined. Uh, I, I was I was speaking to my mate about going to the gym and he's like, oh, I've not got the motivation. I was like, you have got the motivation, you just don't have the discipline because everybody's motivated to, you know, be fit or uh, pass their exams. But it's having the discipline to do it constantly. Um, the active sort of thing is, is, is then when you get into your mind maps and stuff, and that that's when you start thinking, right? How am I going to how am I going to actively remember things? Uh, I will say, you know, like, watching a documentary a week, listening to a podcast a week, reading an article a day, take you two minutes, um, and making that that be built into your your learning, and it will help your knowledge, but it also helps literacy as well for, for pupils um, with their reading, uh, because people just don't seem to watch the telly now, young kids. Uh, they don't watch, they don't listen to the radio, and they certainly don't read newspapers. So how do you make sure you're building that into your, your you know, the apps that you've got on your phone to make sure that that, that, that learning is taking place, not just in the classroom? Um, and yeah, with the flat uh, thing, the transforming idea is what they should be doing just now. You know, they should be teaching it to somebody else. You know, what they've learned, and they go, you know, talk to their mum, talk to their dog, talk to their brother, sister, and they can then teach what they've learned, then they know it themselves. So until you until you can actually explain what you've learned to another person, then you've not quite got it. Uh, so flat is the, is the way I always tell them to do it. Yeah, that's, um, that's, a, that's an incredibly helpful acronym. Um, I, I don't think I'd heard that one before, and it, and it sounds like a great way to sort of tackle revision, not just for exams, but throughout the year. Yeah. Um, and take a bit of stress out of exams as well, because they are quite a stressful time. Um, so move, moving slightly on from that, um, during busy, stressful times, how how, how would you how would you, you deal with that? Any advice for students in terms of things that can be useful? Uh, I think exercise is great, just to just to to, to, to go for a walk. I suppose um, you know during lockdown, people are, are kind of forced to you know go out in dogs and dogs and walks and all the rest of it. Um, but for me, you've got to build in a bit of downtime into your study as well. You can't be like, well, in between us and just hammer it constantly and drinking your Red Bull. There's got to be an element of seeing your friends and family and going out for dinner and going out for a coffee with your pals. Um, for me, uh, yeah, that, that, that's crucial to doing it and not just seeing, right, okay, um, I can't go to the football or I can't play golf. You can't, but you've just got to make sure you build it into your timetable. So, um but yeah, for me, it's exercise, you know, listening to a podcast and stretching my legs and then coming back in, then working for half an hour, then going for a cup of tea, another half hour, then, you know, watch a TV programme, then another half hour, and just and just being able to do it like that when, you're, when you've got study leave. And the, the, Easter, the Easter holidays is study leave for me as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, there's there's a lot of schools running their, their, their revision at the moment, um, classes for, so I'm sure there've been a lot of busy busy pupils as they've been getting ready. But that, I mean, reward is really important in downtime to sort yeah. of consolidate, you know, getting away. I think a walk is a great idea just to take some space from what you've been reading and just let it sink in a bit and yeah. come back to it when you're ready. Um, so, I mean, it is holidays at the minute. You're, I think you're away at the moment. So, I mean, do you have a favourite book about politics, fiction or non-fiction, that you'd recommend for anyone that's um, listening or keen to study more, find out more? Yeah, do you know, I, oh, so many. Um, just now I'm reading a, a great one called um, Can't We Just Print More Money? The Bank of England wrote it, actually, and it's just a really basic explanation of economics. Just oh, uh, getting our heads around inflation and debt and the deficit and stuff, but it's, it's written in a really simple way, you know, like it starts off talking about, you know, either choosing to go for your, your breakfast at Greg's or going for a, a, a fancier one with avocado and poached eggs and stuff like that and how economics is just a study of scarcity, uh, where you just 
decide what you're having depending on how much money you have. Uh, and uh, yeah, excellent book. I but in the plane over here, I'm in holiday. In the plane over, I read Prisoners of Geography, Tim Marshall, which is fantastic. A, a politics, sort of geopolitics book, which just explains why countries are so powerful. Some countries are more powerful. Than the, the weird one that I, I just it'll stick in my head forever. Like the Egyptians had a fantastic civilization, but they never went round the world and conquered like Britain because they never had any trees because it's so sandy and they couldn't build boats. <laughs> it's just like simple geographical things that just matter. You know, America's so powerful, it's got access to two seas, it's flat, yeah, everybody speaks English and you know, just just it just explains world politics. But the best one is a guy called Tatton Spiller who writes for a website called Simple Politics. And Tatton Spiller wrote a book called The Breakdown and it's it's absolutely superb. Uh, the breakdown is what I always recommend to students that are starting studying politics because, again, it just makes it so simple and easy to understand that um, they could get their heads around it. Fantastic. Oh, I'll definitely check some of those out. So you asked me for one and I've just given you three, sorry. I think that's, that's brilliant. The geopolitics one in particular, is um, there's a lot going on in the world just now that's um, very related to geopolitics. Fantastic. Um, so some great recommendations there. So... So that brings us to the end of this episode of Textbook Stuff. Jerry, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day and your holiday, for that matter, to come and join us on this podcast. Um, Thank you to everyone that's listened as well. Uh, We'll have notes below with links so that you can check everything out. We've mentioned the podcast today. And if you are studying higher politics, it's not too late to do some revision. Check out our guide on the website. Or if you're looking to study it um, into the next year, please do go onto our website and check out the book there. And if you get a chance, you know, and you enjoyed this, share it, share this with anyone that you think might be interested in rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. Um, we'd be really appreciate that and keep an eye out for the next one coming soon. So thanks to everyone and Jerry, to you. Thank you once again. Thank you.